Welcome to Closer to Christ, the sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. You can learn more about our ministries at stpaulmuskego.org. And now for this week's message. We can help but be filled with joy. This is what Nate said uh, at our advanced commitment night a few weeks ago uh, as he just talked about uh, the joy that we have in Christ. And it is that whole idea of contentment and joy that we want to focus on today. You know, Satan wants to make us think of giving as, as something that's a chore or guilt-ridden, God invites us to approach uh, our commitments, our, our giving, our dedication to him with a sense of contentment and joy. You see that in the lesson from Philippians chapter 4. I'd like to read this to you. So the Apostle Paul is writing to the Christians in uh, Philippi. He is in prison in Rome, and he is writing this part of the letter to say, hey, thank you so much for a gift that you sent that supported him while he was imprisoned. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. 
I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the, glorious, his, the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Contentment and joy. So the Apostle Paul is in prison in Rome, chained constantly to a Roman guard. That must have been kind of uncomfortable. Uncertain about how the imprisonment would turn out. You know, it's this letter to the Philippians where he says, I desire to depart and be with Christ. You know, I'm not sure if this imprisonment is going to uh, end with my release or my execution. And yet in the midst of that uncertainty, in the midst of that discomfort, he just oozes contentment and joy. Would anybody like that kind of emotion filling your heart, especially during times of discomfort and uncertainty? Yeah. For those of you who are online, not a soul raised their hand. <laughs> but they did nervously laugh, just so you know. Because we all, that's what we want, right? We hear the Apostle Paul say, I have the secret of being content, and it's like, kind of like, come on, Paul, give it. What is that secret? I'd like it. But he really doesn't talk about the secret of contentment in this part of the letter. You know, so I, I, I said, okay, well, I'll look, well, where else in the Bible does, does it talk about contentment? And I found in Hebrews chapter 13, you know, Hebrews, the, apostle, the author of Hebrews is writing how Jesus is everything that we need. And then in chapter 13, he makes some applications. And he writes, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Why? See, here's the secret, right? Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So Paul's in prison, it's, it's uncomfortable, it's uncertain, but he is not sitting in prison alone. Earlier in this letter he said, the Lord is near. The Lord is always there with me. No matter what's happening to me, the Lord is near. This is the, the secret of contentment. And not just, you know, financial contentment. As I thought about the whole idea of contentment, I, I, I remembered a, 
a conversation I had with one of our dear brothers in Christ who was basically saying, you know, right now life is unfair. And I would have to admit to him what he was going through. It's just not fair. And I said, let's read Psalm 73. You see, Psalm 73 is written by Asaph, and he says, you know, life isn't fair. This is how Psalm 73 begins. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. So, so he, is, he is angry with God. He's almost lost his faith altogether. I nearly lost my foothold. Why? For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You know, why is it that, that other people do horrible things and, and everything is great in their life. I'm trying to do what God wants me to do and things aren't working out the way I think they should. You see, there's a lot of reasons for us to be discontent in this world, isn't it? To be angry at God. But then, Asaph, about halfway through the psalm, as he goes on and he's complaining to God, he says, then I entered the sanctuary of God, and then that's where the light kind of went on. And this is how the psalmist ends. Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. I'm never alone. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you're going to take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And God's people say, amen, right? Really? Wait a second. Earth has nothing I desire besides you. I don't know. There's an awful lot of things in this world that I kind of want. I kind of like to have. You know, Martin Luther sang, wrote this marvelous Reformation hymn. We sang it a couple of weeks ago. And this is how the last verse was written when I memorized it. And take they my life, goods, fame, child, and wife, let these all be gone. Uh, they yet have nothing won, the kingdom ours remaineth. I don't know about you, it's easy to sing, but it's really hard to live that, right? Because I kind of like my spouse. And I like my kids, my grandkids. And I kind of like that, that I have my health and that I, I live in a house and I can think. The psalmist says, earth has nothing I desire besides you? Oh, when Martin Luther actually makes the list, that's kind of scary, isn't it? Mike captured this so well in, in the, the song that he wrote for Because It Matters, All That Remains. You see, this isn't something hypothetical. Every one of us is going to experience it. In the refrain Mike wrote, my time, my gifts, my life, my all, in the end, he takes it all away. Right? He may take some of these things away during my life, and, and it'll be hard, but every one of us is going to face that time at, at the moment of our death that all the things that we treasured in this life, uh, 
they'll be all gone. They'll all be gone. Nothing in this world I desire besides you. Because, Lord, you're the only thing that, that will really last. And this is why I appreciate that, you know, our logo, because it matters, has this, this image of, of the eye, first of all, bowing at the foot of the cross. Because I, I, I see and read this secret to contentment, and I realize this is why there is so much discontent in my heart. Because my faith is so weak. You know, so often we talk about sins as, you know, things that we do. This is the heart of it, isn't it? But Lord, I'm not content with just having you. And so we kneel at the foot of the cross and confess this sin against the first commandment. And God says to us again, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He's not turned away by our sin, he forgives us. And it's that claiming of forgiveness again that, that fills us with that sense of content. Truly, nothing I need besides Jesus because that's all that will remain. And when you have that kind of contentment that the Apostle Paul had, you can look over your life and see reasons for joy. I'm just amazed that the Apostle Paul is sitting in prison and he writes this letter of joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. That's Philippians. And now he says in our text, I rejoiced in the gift that you gave me. I find reason for joy even in my uncertainty, even in my discomfort. This is the emotion God wants us to have as we dedicate our lives to him in a new way today. Contentment. We have the Lord with us and then looking at this world and seeing reasons for joy. And one of the biggest reasons for joy is God has the same emotions. He has contentment and joy. And what's really amazing is the source of God's contentment and joy. Now, in a week and a half, many of us will walk into a home and we'll go and we'll smell all the Thanksgiving fixings. Oh, boy, that's contentment. Let that be your image as you read these words. I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. Isn't that fun to think about it? As we put our, our commitments into these boxes, whether they're large commitments or, or small, wh whether you're, you're, you're making that life-changing legacy gift or, or maybe you're just going, ah, this is just not the time, but I, I'm going to put uh, just a note in there. I, not, I'm not ready yet, and that's okay. But as, as we express our commitment to God, 
God the Father has that same sense of contentment that you and I have when we walk into a Thanksgiving feast. Wow, I can't wait. This is great. And there's another uh, idea of contentment. You see, the Apostle Paul wrote two other letters when he was in Rome to Christians in uh, Asia Minor. Uh, One was to the Ephesians and one was to the Colossians. And he uses the term fullness in Colossians chapter 2. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So everything that makes God God is in Jesus. He's emphasizing Jesus' divinity. And then he says, in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. So again, imagine that Thanksgiving meal and you have just enjoyed your second helping of everything. You are absolutely stuffed. There's still lots and lots of good food on the table, but there is nothing more that you need. You are content. You are full. In Christ, you have been brought to fullness. It's it's that same idea, right? Earth has nothing I desire besides you. If you're right here with me, it's going to be okay. Now, now we already talked about that, but but then in Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul kind of twists it in an unusual way. Right at the end of Ephesians chapter 1, he's talking about Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, and he says, God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Remember, the church is us, right? Believers. For the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. What? The the God who fills everything, the God who is control of everything, what gives God that sense of thanksgiving fullness? It's you and me. That our God looks at us and says, there's nothing more in this whole universe that I want than you. And when I have you, I am... I am absolutely content. I have fullness and completeness because you are my child. Isn't that something to hold on to? You are the source of God's contentment. And you are the source of God's joy. You know, again, think of the the Thanksgiving meal and and now I'm I'm talking to those of you who are, are cooks. You know, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas. And you walk into an adult child's Thanksgiving feast. And you go, and you go, I smell the family recipe. It's been passed on to the next generation. And there's a, a, a special sense of joy, isn't there? Wow, there's this legacy that that my kids and my grandkids are enjoying. A little bit of me has been passed on. You know, last week when we, we looked at the giving ladder, I inverted it to just remind us that Jesus is the ultimate giver, that he humbled himself to, to be the legacy giver and to give us the legacy of forgiveness and eternal life. And, and, and then we as followers of Jesus want to walk down that path with him, right? That's what giving is all about. That we want to follow in the footsteps of our generous God. 
A few years ago, we came up with this logo, and I love it. A generous God creates generous people with a generous vision. It's a domino effect. Just imagine the Father's joy as he sees our generosity, as he sees us respond in generous ways. Then he looks at it and goes, they're doing exactly what I do. It's been passed on. He has the Father's joy in you. And it's from that place of God's contentment and joy that you and I, as we give our commitments, can have contentment and joy. Contentment because God's going to supply our needs. Right at the end of the lesson, Paul writes, my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You know, as we give, we're not looking just at, at, at our resources. We're looking at God's resources. And we have this confidence that God will supply our daily bread. Some of us will be bringing uh, commitments that, that we're going, oh, Lord, I wish it was more. And God says, I'll use that to supply the needs of God's people. You know, we can trust this promise as, as a congregation that no matter what the total of commitments is that comes in, God will supply our needs and God will use us to carry out our ministry and our mission and to bless the future. And some of you are going, I'm putting this commitment in, but I really don't know how I'm going to make it. It's true for us personally too, right? Our God will supply all our needs. The fourth commandment will still be fulfilled, or fourth petition will still be fulfilled. Give us this day our daily bread. He'll give us what we need. He's going to be right here with us, and we have this sense of contentment. And then we have this sense of joy. The Apostle Paul talked about, you know, the, this marvelous gift that the Philippians gave. They gave, you know, very early on in the ministry. You Philippians know in the early days of our acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. You're just following in the same footsteps that you have set earlier. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. But then this is the key thought. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. And we scratched our heads about that at, at, at our men team. It's like, what does that mean? That more will be credited to our account. And something that was in our second Corinthians lesson helped me better understand. In second Corinthians nine, the apostle Paul quotes from Psalm 112. The psalmist wrote, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. So, a thousand years before the time of Christ, God's people were generous to the poor. And then, then the Holy Spirit says their righteousness, their, their acts that show their faith will endure forever. And you go, wait a second, those, those poor people are dead and gone. You know, I look at our campus and, and just wonder, how many sacrifices has God's people made over the years 
that we don't even know about so that we can enjoy incredible facilities. We may not remember, but their righteousness endures forever. How is that possible? We may forget, but God never does, right? Your labor in the Lord is never in vain. That for eternity, God will look back at our generosity and smile. They look just like me. Your righteousness endures forever. Our contentment and joy. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Great God and Lord, this day we come before you as always with the thanksgiving and praise of your people. We have been on a five-week journey through your word, pondering what our congregation might do to give glory to your name as we share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with our world what that will look like in the future of this congregation, whether in facilities and programs and sharing of the word, we ask that you would bless us beyond what we are imagining, beyond what we are asking. And as we have brought our commitments before you today, we ask that you would your will be done in this congregation. What a joy this day to have been reminded or maybe discovered for the first time that your commitment and joy comes from us being a part of your world, us being a part of your kingdom through faith in Jesus, our Savior. We thank you that for this mind-blowing knowledge that we are part of your joy. We are the fullness of your joy. We make your heart content. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins that is ours in Jesus every day that makes a reality. And help us to grab hold of your joy. And may your joy be the joy of our hearts as we turn around and give our lives back to you in faith. Help us to be men and women of the kingdom who, who don't need the things of this world. We simply make use of them to your glory and for the sharing of your love and the sharing of your gospel. Help us to be men and women who are ready for the day when you take us home to heaven to be with you and spend forever with you in your presence, blessed beyond what our minds can imagine. So help us live every day being all about you and how we serve with all that we are. Help our contentment, help our joy only flow from you and from you and you through us to the world. And may the world come to know the Jesus we know as Savior and Lord. And may the world come to be filled with contentment and joy, knowing that the best is yet to come, that you are our fullness, and amazingly, you have made us your fullness as well. Lord, so much we could pray, so much we could bring before your throne. We ask you now to hear the prayer that our Lord and Savior Jesus taught us a prayer that brings together all the thoughts and the needs and the hearts of your people. And as we pray the Lord's Prayer, please stand and join me. Words on the screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. So speak with me the blessing of our Lord. We are priests of God with the ability to approach him in prayer and praise because Christ died for our sins. We are priests of God with the, the authority to share Jesus with the world. So speak with me the blessing of our God as he puts his name upon us. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. And together, the priests of God say, amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining us on the Closer to Christ sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. Closer to Christ podcasts are from our current sermon series and are released every Monday morning. For live stream services and other ministry information, please visit us online at stpaulmuskego.org.